the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Good morning, People's Baptist Church. It's good to be together on this beautiful Sunday morning. And welcome to our guests. Welcome to friends, family members, and others scattered across the United States. We are delighted to bring this message to you from the sanctuary of People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message is, We Are Children of God. In my last sermon entitled, Love is the Answer, I spoke about the sin of racism and that only the incredible love of God in Christ Jesus can transform sinful human hearts so that they can show love and compassion for one another. That was in response to Ahmad Arbery's murder in Georgia while jogging. Little did I know that the next day after that sermon, a modern-day equivalent of lynching would be committed by the Minneapolis police and the brutal killing of George Floyd, which we witnessed on video, and it is etched in our memories. This has led to national and international demonstrations for justice, which continue even after 10 days, really 11 days. Now, it is quite evident that we have to keep up the pressure on politicians and the institutions of our society to protect people of color from brutal and inhumane treatment by the police as a first step. This should be followed up by changes that require equal justice, equal treatment, and equal opportunity for every man, woman, and child in our country. I was tempted to make this a political sermon to lessen my anger and disgust at the way black people have been treated. And all of us who are black have had experiences that we could relate today. In 1985, I was told that I couldn't purchase a house in Hyde Park because a person from across 
another street, told the people who were selling the house that they would torture it if it was sold to a black person. We all know what it is like to be black in this country and how difficult it is. But as I contemplated about what to do, the Spirit of God sort of moved me away from what I would normally do and directed me to use this as a teachable moment to explain what is meant by the words children of God, which George Floyd certainly was, because we saw an article in Christianity Today which spoke about him evangelizing uh, in his, the Third Ward in Houston. And that is so different from the one who held up a Bible in front of St. John's Episcopal Church in D.C. after ordering the police and National Guard to fire tear gas, rubber bullets, and brutalize citizens who were peacefully demonstrating for civil and human rights. Again, the title of the message is We Are Children of God, and it could also be titled We Are God's Very Own Children. To be a Christian is to be a child of God, a member of his divine family. We enter God's family, not just by natural birth, but by being born again spiritually, and that is by receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin. As children of God, we are in a constant struggle with our old sinful nature. The struggle with sin is often difficult, slow, and frustrating. Indeed, it can cause us to question our salvation if we don't understand the nature of the conflict with sin. Paul describes this conflict in Romans chapter 7, 18 and 19, where Paul says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And then in verse 15, he says, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Many Christians in their struggle with their sin nature, have doubts from time to time about whether they are really Christians, whether they really know Jesus Christ. However, Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that in spite of the real struggle we experience with sin, we can have victory through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit which dwells in us as believers. In Romans 8, 12 through 17, which was read for us, Paul gives us three reasons why we can know that we are the children of God. First, we are led by the Holy Spirit, or we are led by the Spirit of God. Being led by the Spirit is one of the evidences of being a child of God. 
The Holy Spirit lives permanently in the lives of every born-again believer. This happens at the moment we accept Christ and continues uninterrupted throughout our Christian life here on this planet. Romans 8 and verse 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. And in verse 14, he also says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, the verb are led is a present tense and can be translated are being led. The leading of the Spirit, then, is not something that happens once in your life or even from time to time. It is always going on. It is true that we do not always sense the Spirit's leading, nor do we always follow it, but he is continuously leading us nevertheless. Unfortunately, many Christians have the false notion that the Spirit's leading is primarily a supernatural shortcut for making wise decisions in life. To be led by the Spirit has become for many an excuse for impulsive behavior, a rationale for lack of careful preparation, or a substantiation for bizarre decisions. I'm always skeptical when people say, the Spirit told me, or the Spirit led me to say what I said. What the Spirit tells you should be confirmed by the Word of God, or by fellow Christians who are in touch with God. Does the Spirit provide supernatural shortcut for making wise decisions? I doubt it. You say, but pastor, doesn't the Holy Spirit lead us into making right career decisions, right job decisions, uh, right choice of a marriage partner, or right decisions about fighting for justice for the oppressed? Certainly the Holy Spirit does lead us in making right decisions, but for the most part he uses natural rather than supernatural means. For example... You're at a critical point in your life, and you are trying to decide what to do with the rest of your life. You have several options before you. Well, you pray about it, you seek the Holy Spirit's leading, and um, shazam, you have the right answer, right? Probably not. In fact, it really works that way. Most of the time, we have to work at it, reading the scriptures, praying, seeking godly counsel, examining all the options, making lists of pros and cons, evaluating our motives, and then make the best decision we can. Only in retrospect do we gain certainty that our decision was a wise one. No, I'm not questioning whether the Holy Spirit can give supernatural guidance uh, from time to time. Clearly, he can and he does. But are we to expect supernatural guidance every time we see God's leading? I don't think so. Any more than we are to expect supernatural healing every time we pray for healing. You see, God does heal miraculously, and we've seen so many instances of him doing that. But for the most part, 
He uses good doctors and proper medical care to heal us. When I pray for healing, I'm not concerned about how God does it as long as I'm healed. You see, we spend so much time looking for the supernatural that we miss what God is doing in the natural. One of the evidences that we are children of God is that we are led by the Spirit of God. And that leading of the Spirit enables us to act fairly and righteously in the situations that we find ourselves. When we experience victory over sin, when we see our sinful desires and practices diminishing, we can be certain that we are the children of God because only God's Spirit can bring bring victory over sin. In the same way, when we begin to understand biblical truths that have long puzzled us, when we experience God's convicting of our conscience, when we grieve uh, for the Lord's sake for what is happening to people, the injustice that they are experiencing, and uh, the terrible things that are happening to them, when we feel that sense uh, of, um, of responsibility, that burden for them, then we have divine assurance that we are children of God because only God's spirit in us can instill such understanding, conviction, and action on our part. Our finite minds cannot understand how the spirit leads a believer just as we cannot fully understand any of the supernatural work of God. God's spirit sovereignly leads his children in many ways. But the primary way is through the enlightening of our minds. The Spirit leads us by divinely clarifying God's word to make it more understandable to our finite and sin-stained minds. As we read, meditate on, and pray over the scriptures, the Spirit becomes our divine interpreter. We begin to understand God's word and its application for our life situation. The Spirit not only illuminates our minds to understand God's word, but divinely assists us in obeying it. That obedience becomes another evidence of our salvation, not just the holding up of a Bible without knowing what's in it. It is our Heavenly Father's desire for his children to submit to the leading of his spirit for the sake of his glory, for the sake of our spiritual well-being, and for the sake of the good of others. But secondly, we are given access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. In verse 15, Paul says, So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. Since slavery to sin is over for us as believers in Christ, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed at Calvary by Jesus Christ with his own blood. We are no longer children of Satan. We are children of God. There is therefore no reason for us to be in fear of divine condemnation. 
The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to help us substitute the old feelings of fear with a quiet confidence that things are all right between us and God. The old spirit of slavery leading to fear is what we all experience before we receive Christ. There was a bondage to sin and a paralyzing fear of condemnation. But there is no need for that now. Because in place of that fear, the Holy Spirit implants in our hearts a sense of serenity which enables us to go into God's presence and say, Father, dear Father. The Christian is never to tremble with fear or be tormented with anxiety. God's wrath having been stilled forever, we can turn to our Heavenly Father with calmness and with full confidence that he will never turn us away. As God's children, we can go with boldness into his presence. As the writer of the Hebrews says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it. The Apostle John tells us in John 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. A third evidence that we are part of God's family is that we have the testimony of the Holy Spirit. We have the testimony of the Holy Spirit. So let me... um, Ask a question again. How do you know if you are a child of God? Now, in answering, you might say, I know I'm a child of God because the word of God states in John chapter 1, 12 and 13, to all who believed him, that is Christ, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. The rebirth comes from God. And that is the right place to begin because the word of God is the foundation of all that we believe and all that we do as believers. But someone else might suggest other ways to know whether one is a child of God. For example, how about a changed life? Remember Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. So are you more like Jesus today than you were two years ago? Or how about to love for one another? Jesus said in John 13 and verse verse 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. But there is still another evidence of membership in the family of God beyond these three that I mentioned. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 8 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now let me note at the outset that the testimony of the Holy Spirit cannot be put to an objective test. While the testimony of the scriptures, the testimony of a changed life, and the testimony of loving one another are all somewhat quantifiable, 
measurable and observable, the testimony of the Holy Spirit is very personal. No one else is privy to this testimony. It's just you and the Holy Spirit. You can claim you have it, and there is no way anyone can argue with you, except the fact that your life does not reflect the leading of the Spirit or the testimony of the Spirit, because you have to see some outward ways of um, determining whether a person is living according to God's word. Now, there are two things, however, we can say about the testimony of the Holy Spirit. First, this testimony provides a settled assurance that we belong to the family of God. I've enjoyed the testimony of the Spirit that I am a child of God over more than 60 years. Ever since I gave my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit has assured me that I am a child of God. I've never doubted my salvation. Even in my worst periods of disobedience and rebellion, I knew that I was a child of God because his word tells me that if I accept Christ as my Savior, then I am a child of God. When Christian friends, other Christians, or we ourselves question whether we are truly saved, we can appeal to the Holy Spirit within us to settle the question in our hearts. Providing that assurance is one of the Holy Spirit's most precious ministries to us as believers. But two, the testament of the Holy Spirit provides a settled assurance that our inheritance is secure. Look at verse 17. Paul says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. One of the most devastating things a human being can experience is to find himself or herself disinherited when a parent's will is read. Sometimes it's not so much the money as it is the feeling of abandonment and rejection that hurts the most. My brothers and sisters, we never need fear that we will be disinherited by our Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit testifies to us that we are heirs of God. And Paul says we are not just heirs, but we are co-heirs with Christ. You see, when the scriptures tell us that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ... We are being informed that everything that God the Father has given to the Lord Jesus Christ has been given to us also. Everything that Christ received by divine right, we will receive by divine grace. We will not only see the glory which was Christ before the universe was created, but we will share in it as well. Everything he is, we are. And John tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. As children of God, we have a wonderful future awaiting us, 
And God expects us to live in the present in the light of that future. Ever since the ascension of Jesus Christ to the right hand of the Father, his return has been prominently taught and emphatically believed by all who have placed their absolute trust and confidence in him and in his word. Although every age has had its share of agnostics, doubters, skeptics, and unbelievers who have condemned, refuted, and denounced such expectations as pie in the sky by and by. Yet there have also been untold members or numbers of Christians who have looked forward and waited expectantly for a Lord's return. There has never been anything that has ever inspired more discouraged hearts than the Lord's promise that he will soon return for his own. There has never been anything that has ever dried more tears of sorrow and heartache than knowing that our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming back for us, his children. There has never been anything that has ever brought healing to more hurts and brought ease to more pain than believing this most precious biblical truth. And there has never been anything else that has helped the saints of God face extreme difficulties with optimism and hope, like realizing that Jesus would soon return for them. Although 2,000 years have come and gone, this hope is as bright and as radiant as it was when Jesus himself spoke the words, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It never grows dim with time. It never fades with age. It is this blessed hope that brings peace to the troubled mind, that brings joy to the grieving soul, and that brings comfort to the aching heart. It causes the weak to become stronger, the despairing to become encouraged, and the anxious to become assured. When given opportunity, this hope can create blessings out of burdens, victories out of defeats, and faith out of frustration. Without this glorious hope, the heart turns cold, the load gets heavy, the clouds hang low, the spirit grows weary, and the way becomes lonely. For the children of God, soon and very soon, the last battle will be fought, the last enemy will be conquered, the last tear will be shed, the last burden will be borne, the last problem will be solved, the last question will be answered, the last trouble will be encountered, and the last grave will be dug. What radiant glory awaits the children of God in heaven. And what's more, Jesus will be the main attraction. You see, heaven will be a place where there is life without death, peace without strife, love without limits, Safety without fear, joy without sorrow, light without darkness, health without disease, roses without thorns, beauty without blemish, and worship without any rush. No wonder our slave ancestors sang, Sooner will be done with the troubles of the world. Sooner will be done with the troubles of the world, going home to live with God. No more weeping and wailing. 
No more weeping and wailing. No more weeping and wailing. I'm going to live with God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.